The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. This week, the NFL will take 255 young men and turn their dreams into reality. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select, select, select. It's the Hogan Johns 2020 NFL Draft Podcast. Let's just put this. We feel like this is a strong draft. Having two twos is, is, is huge for us because of the depth of this draft. And, uh, and we just got to take advantage of it. With Adam Ho and Adam Johns. We're always going to take the best player available. So if a quarterback was there and, and he was the highest guy on our board and, and it, you know, in, in, in a strong in a strong way, we, we would consider that. Here they are, Hogan Johns. Look at that quick turnaround. Our guy Ernie Skatton getting after the open today on the Hogan Johns podcast. Welcome in just two days away from the NFL draft. Do you think Ryan Pace is getting his hair cut? No, I don't. No? Nope. He's styling it himself? That looked like a self uh, trim on the sides. Okay. Because if you notice the uh, the wave... <laughs> As I'd like to call it. Um, well, well, you do try to sport one as well, so so continue. Yeah, no, this, this is some thought out analysis. I am qualified to speak on the wave. Trust me. Um, it 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 looked way longer than usual, didn't it? I thought it was so, like a little bit. Yeah, it was I was like, more it concerned was, with the it sides. Was more like because, a, uh, it was kind of like a tidal wave compared to just you know your normal six to eight foot surf wave. Oh, I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm more cons- I was looking at the sides because I know the sides of my haircut or my head right now, and looking at my son's head too. It's it's long on the sides, and it looked like he got trimmed there recently. Yeah, I agree. I it, it looked to me like he used some something, and I've thought about doing this too, but I'm afraid of what it looks like up top with the wave. Uh, he did the sides around the ears. Because that did look trimmed up, but I'm telling you, and I'm looking at a picture of him right now in in a newspaper, um, which newspapers are still a thing, by the way, um, but subscribe to The Athletic, obviously. Uh, his hair looks completely different in this picture I'm looking at. So if everybody's curious about what we're talking about, I did share... Our, <laughs> um, <laughs> we got to see Ryan Pace over a conference call today, video call over Skype, and... Uh, it was different than the usual conference call with, without any faces to it. So Ryan Pace was there with the Bears backdrop. I made yeah, sure to, to take a him. screen grab. Yes, we got to see him. I, I made sure to take a screen grab. So that's on my Twitter feed. Check it out. But it was a, a pre-draft Tuesday conference call day here for the Bears. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I, you know, I, I actually thought people kind of bash these pre-draft pressers. I actually find them relatively entertaining. And I think there's some... Um, definitely some things here that we need to get after, and we will. So we'll break down the, uh, the the press conference, teleconference, whatever you want to call it. And um, we're not going to play the whole thing for you. It's long, but we're going to bring out the bits and pieces that you definitely need to hear. So that's coming up. Um, and we got a special guest today, Adam John's local kid, Cole Komet, is on the podcast. Nice, nice. St. Vider's own. Yes, so we'll uh, we'll be rocking the Catholic high school uh, conversation between St. Ignatius, Notre Dame, and St. Vider uh, here on the Hogan Johns podcast, and then um, we'll we'll get to some other draft content, including my top ten quarterbacks piece that is out, and you can read that at NBCSportsChicago.com. That's where you can read all of my content. Adam Johns is on The Athletic, where you're listening to this podcast, and you should be subscribed. If you're not, you definitely should be, so subscribe. TheAthletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. You can also get a 90-day free trial right now. So uh, if you've been holding out for whatever reason, uh, now's a good time to do so, especially with the draft this week. And uh, there's a ton of good content up there that you should be checking out. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Our producer is Kent Garrison, and he does an outstanding job. All right. John Z, so uh, this Ryan Pace press conference today, let's start with the news uh, of the last four or five days, I guess, before we get to uh, the draft itself, because uh, this news came out Friday, which is after we did our last podcast, but the Bears did go ahead and cut Trey Burton, which 
it was you know, completely surprising, but a little surprising. Yeah, I described it as semi-surprising. The Bears obviously poured some resources into signing Jimmy Graham. We do have the draft around the corner, and obviously uh, they've scouted some of these guys extensively. So there are reasons to cut him, but, you know, the draft's unpredictable. I, I thought maybe he'd get a longer look. The, the problem is, and, you know, Pace highlighted this pretty well, I thought, is the guy just can't stay healthy. I, I hate to keep going back to what John Fox has said it in previous years, but he, he did, you know, strike gold when he says, you know, the best availability is, or the best ability is availability, and that's really rings true for Trey Burton. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know if, we don't know where he was at coming back from the hip surgery necessarily, but uh, the Bears know that, and there's, you know, there's been, those are the guys that have had access to Hal's Hall. I do think the official filing with the league had a failed physical designation on it. So obviously there are some concerns about what he could be in the future if, if that's on there. Well, here's what Ryan Pace had to say about uh, the decision to go ahead and release Trey Burton. Yeah, I think, you know, as we took a full evaluation, you know, of our roster, you know, after free agency and, and factored everything in, um, you know, that was the best decision for us. Uh, and we wish him nothing but the best of luck. You know, I know he had a good first year with us. Unfortunately uh, for him and for us, the injuries kind of added up, and uh, we just felt at this time that was the best course of action for our team. Ryan, uh, how, do, how does the release of Burton affect your approach at tight end in the draft? Yeah, you know, I, I think, we, you know, that's a, that's a position, you know, we've emphasized. You know, we did in free agency with the signing of Jimmy Graham and, and Demetrius Harris. So, we, we have some guys there we like. I think, you know, the one silver lining last year as we kind of went through that position is we did accumulate some guys that are, that are interesting for us. You know, as we look at the depth of that room, I know we got a lot of tight ends and we got to filter through that, but there's some guys in that tight end room that, that are, that are very intriguing and interesting for us. But I think with the adding of Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, um, I think that helps uh, fortify that group a bit. Um, but, hey, if, if it's also a good tight end draft. So if there's guys there that we like, we consider it. Brian, with Trey Burton, what was the logic in doing it now rather than taking the year to see if he could get it right? Why did it need to be done now? Yeah, I just think when we took a complete picture of our whole roster um, and, and, and kind of stepped back and looked at everything of, of now where we are in that tight end room um, and then what we can do to kind of help us um, from a financial standpoint as well, to be honest, all those factors go into it's it's a multitude of things that we discussed um, and and we just made the decision that was best for us overall. John's the reality is the Bears are are up against the cap and they have a draft class they need to sign here too. So somewhere in the equation that factored into uh, hey, how do we create the space that's needed? And while Trey Burton is still going to cost a lot of money this year, it freed up enough that it made sense, obviously, when you consider the injuries, which clearly, listening to Ryan Pace there, uh, were the number one reason why he's no longer a bear. I think another way to look at it is, and this may sound very cold-hearted, Adam, is is do you really want to pay a guy to be on your roster when he's not on the field? I, I don't I don't think so. And obviously they have more information on his injury situation than, than other teams or, or even us in the media. But if you can free up some space for a guy that may not be playing for you, I, I think sometimes you just got to do it. It sounds cold-hearted, but that's the truth about the NFL business is I don't think you want to pay a guy to be on your team if he's not going to be actually playing. And, and I get, yes, there's some dead money into this, but you do free up some cap space by releasing him. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know that it changes anything from, uh, you know, a need standpoint with uh, potentially drafting a tight end. I still felt like it was a need. Um, you know, I guess a signing of Jimmy Graham, obviously the money he got, it's taking up a spot on the depth chart. Um, so, but, uh, you know, I think, and we'll hear from Cole Komet here coming up soon. Uh, on the podcast, but you know that's still somebody that that could be an option. The Bears potentially going with a tight end in the second round. Yeah, yeah. There's, I get the criticism of this this tight end draft, but I keep going back to the George Kittle 
example. Yes, a lot of teams missed on him. Heck, the, the 49ers missed on him. But there's an all-pro that was found in the fifth round. So if you find the right guy for a Matt Nagy-like system and you do have Matt Nagy's input, it can be done. He's part of the evaluation now. So one of the questions in this uh, press conference with Ryan Pace today came from you, and I liked it. Um, I was not able to get a question. Thanks, man. I didn't, you know, it's, I, I'm happy for you that you were able to get past the mute button. It was a uh, it was a challenge today, <laughs> but um, you asked a great question. I thought, um, it, look, the Bears have two draft picks close together, forty three and fifty. What kind of impact does it have on potentially pulling off trades, whether that's trading up or trading back? Here's what Ryan Pace said. Yeah, I think it definitely does. And when we've talked about, you know, we, we this we go over all the scenarios of with either one of those picks, uh, you know, moving up under certain scenarios or moving back under certain scenarios. But we we have a good feel for what uh, type of players will be there uh, around those picks. And just to t- depending on how the draft's unfolding, we'll know if, hey, I feel like we can move back right now, you know, accumulate some additional picks and still be in a good pool of players. It's like the Cody Whitehair example. I think it's the best one for it. Uh, they got leapfrogged by the Packers, who took a player who was actually on the Bears roster now, Jason Spriggs, yeah. and they, they, they moved back. They, they moved back, and they found great value. A, a Pro Bowl caliber player, if he could stick in one position, if the Bears would allow that to happen, and they got him later than that. And I think this is another uh, – it's just a great way to view having 43-50 and 50 where you could possibly have some overlap in evaluation and graded clouds if you get my drift. Do you think there's any scenario they trade up? No way. No way. I I learned a long time ago to never say never about a Ryan Pace draft. But, man, the I, I said this on Twitter. I think Chicago would riot. <laughs> that player would have to be an absolute home run. I don't mean to, to make jokes like that, but... Fans are already fed up with this approach. Uh, I understand that approach. I respect that approach. But you know what? Trubisky, shaky ground, Leonard Floyd, not on the roster anymore. You have a roster that has gotten older quite quickly with the signings of a, of a Nick Foles or a Robert Quinn or a Jimmy Graham especially. You need an influx of youth. You need to continue to reload from within. The best way to do that is through the draft. And I think Ryan Pace is staring. I just wrote this for my article uh, for tomorrow on The Athletic. He has this gap from 50 to 163, Adam. That is a significant gap. He's one of two teams. Them and the 49ers are the only two teams that don't have a third-round and fourth-round pick this year. You need to narrow that gap and find a player or two within it. Not to change the conversation, but... Some as we're recording that this, there have been some interesting tweets coming out. I uh, don't know if you have seen this, but Adam Schefter tweeting: the Patriots and Buccaneers have been discussing a trade for retired tight end Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> Gronk has one year and ten million left on his contract, but the two sides are and have been talking prior to Thursday's draft. That's interesting, man. See. I- I never believed he was done with football. I believed he was always banged up. I think doing all the media he did probably made him anxious. You see Tom Brady going to Tampa. You got those great taxes for guys like Rob Gronkowski down there. <laughs> Tough to say no if you're Gronk. Yeah, uh, that that's definitely interesting. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want him doing any more of the wrestling though, and him jumping off whatever he jumped off of in that. I think it was WWE a few weeks ago to win the t- he won the title belt. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So he's in good shape. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, back to what the question I posed to you. I would not rule out a trade up. I'd call it unlikely. Um, I think Ryan Pace always has you, and you asked you use this term. It's a term he's used, but you used it in the question you asked him. These clouds of players. I think there is probably a cloud of players that they would be willing to go get, but they're probably players that are, you know, expected to go relatively early, or you know, they'd have to fall back into yeah range where. 
all of a sudden, okay, are we willing to part with this extra second round pick, for instance, uh, to grab a guy that we just think is you know completely worth it? Okay, and I'm not saying in any any way like th- this is just one example, but like if if the Bears are loving to a Tungo Vailoa and he falls so far back because of the hip and they feel comfortable enough with the hip to take him like late in the first round um, where you still have access to that fifth-year option. I do believe Ryan Pace is still committed to fixing the quarterback position. And so if some type of scenario like that, and I don't know how the Bears feel about Tua, but that's an example of where I would not rule out something crazy like that happening in part because we know how the Bears operate and we know how Ryan Pace has made moves like that before if he has conviction on a guy. Now that 201, with all due respect, that it may be a crazy example. <laughs> I know. I, you know, I need, I, there's no way that guy's getting out of the first round. Uh, maybe you know the Patriots of all teams need a quarterback and they're sitting there at the tail end of the first round. So there you have it. You know, the rich get richer. It, it, maybe an offensive tackle. I would be Ezra Cleveland. I don't know. And Austin Jackson, you know, maybe the cornerbacks, there's a big run in cornerbacks. Maybe there's a big one, big run on receivers. And one of those great offensive tackles are sitting there. Maybe that's um, impetus or, or someone who would strike pace to, to, to go up and get a guy. But even, even that man, it's, I just can't see it happen. You use the word unlikely and that's a great way to put it. Well, and you've written and I've written, I wrote it last week, the the case to trade back. And I and I do believe that that would make a ton of sense uh, to acquire more draft capital. Um, you know, there's you can look at the history of some of these trades, which I know you did too on the Athletic and you could see scenarios where the Bears can still make two second round picks. And come up with a third or a fourth rounder, depending on you know how far they move back. Whether it's the forty-three pick or the fifty pick, you know the scenarios all change. But there is there are a number of different scenarios where the Bears can still take two players in the second round and add a third or fourth round pick, which right now I think makes a ton of sense because of what you said. They they need to add youth. This roster is getting older, and um, and if nothing else, it gives you some extra trade capital. Uh, draft capital of if you uh, have a guy sitting there later that you definitely want to go get. So um, it, it's it, right now I I find the chances of trading back far more likely than trading up. I just knowing Ryan Pace would not rule either one out. Okay, a couple stats for you then. There are six teams that currently don't have second round picks: the Patriots, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Saints. The 49ers and the Redskins. 49ers actually have two first-round picks. Um, and there are six teams who currently have two second-round picks. Of course, that includes the Bears. Then you have the Ravens, Colts, Rams, Seahawks, and Dolphins. Yeah. Long history of trading with the Patriots, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did look. You know the Ravens are always willing. The, the Ravens, too. The Rams, as well. The Seahawks, as well. You've traded with those two yeah. teams. There's... there's willingness to engage and move around, you know, in terms of finding the right player for what you want to do with. And I think one of the uh, draft charts I looked at, um, the three picks the Patriots have in the third round would be pretty much equal to that number 50 pick. So the one way to look at it simply is to say, well, you could turn that second into three thirds, which is not too bad. The problem is those three third round picks for the Patriots are all mid to late. In fact, I think two yeah. two are compensatory yeah. picks. Um, but that, that's another. I mean, you know, Bill Belichick staring at his own board. I mentioned Ryan Pace looking at the gap between fifty and, and one sixty three. There is a significant gap, I think, for Bill Belichick to consider between his first first round pick, his only first round pick, and his next pick, which doesn't come up until late in the, the third round. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, I there. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our guy John Moon Mullen. Uh, I love this question he asked today. Ryan Pace has had a history of drafting guys, uh, and, and the criticism comes especially when you talk about Adam Shaheen or Mitchell Trubisky, guys that did not have a ton of experience in college. Trubisky only 13 starts. Um, Shaheen obviously played D2. I think Kevin White was even brought up in the question because he was a JUCO guy and I think only played two years at West Virginia, if I can remember 
right back. That was a long. That feels like forever ago. By the way, Kevin White. Yes, holy yes, moly! Yes, I think that's right. Sounds right. Um, anyway, the point is. He gets killed for the drafting of guys with not a whole lot of experience that haven't worked out. On the flip side, um, he he does he have a, also have a history of get, drafting guys with plenty of experience, and uh, those working out like Eddie Goldman and uh, Cody Whitehair, for example. So Ryan Pace was asked about that idea. Has the basically has the issues you've had drafting some of these guys with not a whole lot of experience impacted your strategy when it comes to weighing certain guys and this happens every year some guys have played for four years some guys have played for one year here's what ryan pace had to say i think you're always weighing that and i think there's examples both ways i remember uh drafting jimmy graham with very little football experience and he turned out to be a pretty good player and the same thing would have been with akeem hicks in his background so i think you're always weighing uh, the different things. And I think, you know, it goes back to what you learn when you first become a scout, you know, believe what your eyes see, uh, uh, lean on the people around you, the, the scouts and the coaches' opinions, and then make a collective decision. But I don't, I think it's hard just to narrow yourself in uh, to, to just one way with that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you're going to have hits and misses on both. Um, Ryan Pace was obviously prepared for that question. Bear up two, two got two guys he's drafted um, in the past that are now both current now on the Bears, Jimmy Graham and Keem Hicks, but they were drafted uh, in New Orleans. But yeah, both of those guys were drafted with very little playing experience and, and have certainly worked out. Well, the Saints don't didn't exactly have this quarterback situation to, to get through, which is kind of hanging over everybody's Heads leaving a taste in everybody's mouth, bad taste in everybody's mouth as they try to figure out what's best for Mitchell Trubisky. And of course, they brought in Nick Foles. But yeah, it's, it's, I know we're going to talk about this later. You know, Dan Pompey wrote this, this piece today about like safe picks and how sometimes it's just okay to make. And Eddie Goldman is an example of that. I think Cody Whitehair is an example of that. I think James Daniels is an example of that. Those, those are three starters that you have that you gain in the second round. Now, Adam Shaheen is the anti-safe pick because this was, what, a Division II guy? Little experience against top-end guys, and, and look at it now. I don't think he's going to be on the roster come opening day, um, come week one, however you want to say it. It's I, I think if you're Ryan Pace right now, I think the safer approach is... I, I, I don't think this really fits in because of how aggressive he's been in the past, but you need plug-and-play starters. You just got to go by your board and not take the risks, I think, in this draft. Well, and the nice thing about safe picks, you know, those are in to kind of define that, at least the way I would define it, especially in the second round, there's usually a handful of guys that you feel very confident, uh, whether it's based on their character, makeup, college resume, whatever. You feel pretty confident that they can play early for you and be a starter. Will they ever turn into all pros? You know, maybe not, but they're going to be solid football players for you. And the other, you know, plus to that is, you know, when they come around for their con- next contract, yeah, you're, you're going to have to pay them to stick around, but they're not going to command, you know, the crazy money that, that somebody that becomes an all pro would. And obviously, would you rather have a guy turn into an all pro? Absolutely. I'm just saying that's another benefit from drafting some of these guys like Eddie Goldman and and uh, Cody Whitehair, which I agree, safe picks, especially in Whitehair's case. Like I just felt like that guy was always going to come in and be able to play right away. Um, and you know, and he's got a Pro Bowl to his name too. But that's that's where here in the second round, if the Bears can come out of this with two of those guys, you feel really good about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and here's the thing: like that's not to say that Eddie Goldman can't be a Pro Bowl player. I, I think he's got that talent in him. Jeff Jeff Rogers has, has called him, I'm sorry, Jay Rogers, the, the Bears defensive line coach, has called him the, arguably the best nose tackle in the game. He just does a lot of the dirty work. The sacks aren't there because he's asked to do different things. But the Pro Bowl potential is there if maybe one year he breaks out with six or seven sacks. Or, or Cody Whitehair, you know, maybe the run game comes alive. We're just saying that teams 
are built with some of these safe picks. And I'm not saying every pick you make has to be safe, but if you're at the Bears at this point in your evolution, you need some plug-and-play guys to stay in this win-now mode but also have a long-term vision for your team. Uh, And by the way, in my opinion, Eddie Goldman is a pro bowler. He just plays a position that doesn't get a whole lot of... You know, recognition. Love, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he he is. I, I'm right there with Jay Rogers. He is one of the best uh, nose tackles in all of football. Okay, then there's this idea, uh, and then and I'm certainly guilty of pumping it out there. But uh, drafting a quarterback, whether it's in the second round or if you trade back, end up in the third round, whatever, picking a quarterback in this draft, uh, something Ryan Pace has only done once with Mitch Trubisky. He's talked about how he'd like to draft a quarterback every year, but doesn't really do it. The question was asked today: Would you consider drafting a quarterback? Yeah, I think you know it's, we're going to you know you know we're always going to take Pat the best player available. So if if a quarterback was there and and he was the highest guy on our board and and it, you know in, in a strong in a strong way, we, we would consider that. I think we'd consider every position. You know, the, the, let's face it, the draft is is risky enough. When you deviate from taking the best player, I think you just increase your risk. I got a very simple view of this, Adam. If Matt Nagy wants a quarterback, you give it to him. They already gave it to him in Nick Foles. If he wants to draft a quarterback, you give it to him. I agree. I agree. So, but And so we're guessing, but where do you feel like Nagy would fall on that? Because I think we know how he feels about Nick Foles. But you also look at Nick Foles' contract and the fact that they put outs in it. I it's not it's not structured like somebody they're banking on being the quarterback for the next ten years. Yeah. Plus yeah. he's older so you're anyway. What, you're asking what point in the draft is uh, best for taking this next swing on a quarterback? I don't know if it's going to be in the second round because of just other needs and this plug and play mentality. I think you need to have. And I'm not even sure Jalen Hurts would be there or Jacob Frum would be there because of just the the need for quarterbacks and somehow those boards shift for quarterbacks, right? Like if you need one, you better act early because odds are someone's going to jump ahead of you and and take them. That's just how it works. There's just two drafts, one for quarterbacks and one for everybody else. I feel like I've said that numerous times. For me, the sweet spot's either in that – that's why you got to trade back, right? You need more picks. Like that sweet spot for me – is maybe that traded back third rounder, maybe acquire that to do that, or maybe in the fifth round, maybe take a guy like a, a James Morgan. You know, the Bears have been linked to him for a while. That makes sense to me. Yeah, potentially. And James Morgan is in my uh, top 10 quarterbacks this year, and we're going to discuss that here in a little bit. We need to get to Cole Komet, though, before we do that. Uh, the last thing I have from Ryan Pace that I want to play, just because I find it interesting. Of course, uh, this draft is occurring vir- virtually. Ryan Pace is at home. He's set up in his living room. There's monitors everywhere. There's cords. He's in the middle of his house. Uh, he was asked about what it's like working from home and pulling this thing, this draft off from home, and I, I just found this all entertaining. Yeah, well, the kitchen's like five feet over here, so it's close. Um, but I think it's... It's just being around your, you know, your your family. I mean, uh, you know, you know, right now Carden's doing her at home school, you know, and one room over. So you, you know, you, you can just you can hear that. And and uh, the other day, you know, I got this amazing setup, Dan, with with all these screens and uh, Stephanie's vacuuming and hits the cord and every screen goes black. So <laughs> so you're you're dealing with the uh, the at home conditions, but. Uh, they, they've been awesome, and, and, and part of it's been really good because, I mean, I can't remember the last time for, for a month straight that we've sat down together and had dinner together every night. You know, that's that's rare, I think, probably for a lot of us. Um, so that part's, that part's been pretty neat. Ryan, are there any limitations in your household over who can watch Netflix uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, anything like that in terms of uh, bandwidth? Yeah, there's they boosted the bandwidth, and there's a cord now that runs – Directly from the router upstairs, all the way down the stairs, all the way to the dining room. So it's just hopefully nobody trips over the cord or unplugs anything with the vacuum again. Uh, we should be in good, good, good spot. But prior to this cord, 
when I just had the Wi-Fi going, when 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 Carden would hop on something on her iPad, I could feel the Wi-Fi diminish, and we'd be on an interview with a with a player, and it would kind of be coming in and out. So we kind of joked about that, but uh, there'll be a lot of fun stories to tell when this is all said and done. Um, it's been a really unique circumstance, but I think they've been awesome through the whole process. Um, and I'm just very thankful for them. I get it, man. I, I get it. This is the, the, the quarantine life. Here I am recording a podcast in my dining room and three feet away from me on a nice chair in the corner. My oldest son is reading Epic, which is, uh, he's looking at me now and giving me the snake eye. Uh, he is reading an epic, and about 15 feet away from me, maybe 20 feet away from me, in our living room, my second son is playing with his football guys on our living room floor. That's life now. Well, boys do... And they're both staring at me. Do not pull the cord, okay? How badly do you think John Fox wanted to pull the cord when Mitch Trubisky was getting drafted? Ooh. In my experience, sugar goes a lot further than vinegar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, John, in the quarantine life, the vinegar is quite useful for cleaning. Oh, there's a lot of cleaning to do. There's a lot of cleaning to do. Got lost my razor. Truth be told, my wife went in town all week, so I didn't have anybody getting on me about it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people no no losing the razors right now. All right, let's get to Cole Komet and bring him in here to the podcast. The, Of course, the outstanding tight end from Notre Dame, two-sport athlete, local kid from Lake Barrington, and, uh, of course, a star at St. Viator as well. Cole Komet joining us today on the Hogan Jobs podcast, courtesy of Gillette. And, Cole, thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. So uh, is this the draft week you imagined? I have to imagine it's it's not quite the the same as what you were picturing a few months ago. Yeah, I know. Obviously, I was expecting a little bit different of a of a draft process with pro day and going on visits and all that stuff. And um, it's been a little different. Now I've just kind of been stuck at home with the family, kind of doing staying busy with board games and stuff, watching TV shows and. You know, I was just staying busy working out, so definitely a little bit uh, different of a process than I thought it would be, but, you know, just making the most of it and having fun with it. Cole, when you've had video conversations with teams, Skype, Zoom, whatever teams are using these days, like, how different is is that for you? I mean, I, I imagine that your agent had you prepping for these top 30 visits, uh, prepping for your pro day, all these different types of things that are so traditional to the, the pre-draft stuff, but now... Here you are in Zoom. What's that been like for you in terms of prepping for it and then going through it? Yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of prepping for it, it's kind of similar to what the combine was with the meetings and stuff. So, um, you know, just kind of being yourself is something that you have to be, you know, be able to do and just kind of be able to talk to football when when these coaches are talking to you and asking you questions. So um, it hasn't been too difficult for me, honestly. Just uh, obviously a little weird not being able to be face-to-face with these guys, but you know, like I said, just making the most of it and uh, having fun with it. So, Cole, do you feel like you were able to show enough during the pre-draft process before everything got shut down, not having a pro day, not being able to take these visits to team facilities like you normally would? Whatever questions teams might have about you, do you feel like you were still able to answer those questions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I felt like I did a good job in terms of you know, kind of be able to answer those questions over the Zoom calls and then, you know, in con- being in contact with these scouts. So, you know, obviously having, not having a pro day kind of sucks with, you know, just the ability to go talk to teams again. Um, you know, physically I'm not too concerned. I kind of showed everything I needed to do at the Combine, so I wasn't, uh, wasn't too concerned about not having a pro day in that regard. But, you know, obviously the meetings are something that I missed out on and were something that I was actually really looking forward to. But, you know, it is what it is, and, you know, I think I've done a good job with the Zoom calls that have kind of replaced that. Being a local kid, we, we cannot go through this podcast without asking about the Bears. I'm sure you're tracking them a little bit. They just released, released Trey Burton. Um, how cool would it be to get that call from the Bears? Um, who was your favorite player growing up, and how much contact have you had them with them throughout this uh, pre-draft process stuff? Yeah, I've had quite a bit of contact with the Bears. Um you know, I know that they're, they're potentially in the market for a tight end in this draft. So, uh, you know, obviously that'd be really exciting for me as a hometown kid being able to go and play there. Uh, it would just be a childhood dream come true. And, 
you know, for me and the guys that I looked up to, I mean, you know, I always loved Greg Olson when he was on the Bears, and that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, obviously, a player that you just love watching as a, as a football guy is Brian Urlacher, and that was a lot of fun, So, especially the year they went to the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, you know uh, just being a, a childhood a dream of mine to play for the Bears, that would be awesome, and uh, obviously really exciting if they decided to pick me on, on draft day. We know they were able to get a few prospects in there to Hallis Hall before everything got shut down. Being a local kid, were you able to make it over there, or has all your communication with the Bears been over Zoom? No, everything's been over Zoom. I know that they were trying to get me there, but you know, with everything going on, uh, that, that wasn't able to happen. Um, I had a late pro day scheduled, so I was actually in Los Angeles training for quite a while until this all kind of happened, so... Um, I wasn't able to get out on any any of the top thirty visits, but um, but yeah, you know, it's been good. I've talked to them over the Zoom, and uh, it, it all seemed to go really well. What do you think you showed? You know, by the end of things at, at Notre Dame, everybody wants you know that next great pass catching tight end. Um, what what do you think you put out there? Your final tapes are in. Everybody's going through them quite thoroughly now. Without these pro days, what do you think you showed um, in your career at Notre Dame? Yeah, I think I just showed my versatility in terms of being able to go, you know, be in line as a blocker, be be split off the line as a receiver in the slot, or be out wide as a receiver, you know, be in the backfield. So just being able to do a bunch of different things in an offense and, you know, being being able to execute it properly. So I think just, you know, showing that versatility that I was able to show at Notre Dame was something that I think uh, will help me a lot out at the next level and, you know, is the reason why, uh, uh, you know, I decided to become a, you know, an NFL draft pick this year. Well, speaking of versatility, you were also a baseball player at Notre Dame and quite the baseball standout at St. Vider as well. You actually had an opportunity to sign with the White Sox coming out of school. You decided to go play football at Notre Dame. Why did you uh, decide to turn down the White Sox? Is it just because you're a Cubs fan? <laughs> not, not only. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, obviously that was a really cool experience. I actually got to go. I had a little workout at, with the White Sox um, at USL here at the time, so that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, like I, it was a dream of mine to play, you know, college football at Notre Dame. So like that was something I couldn't pass up on, and especially being able to play both sports still was something that you know I wasn't ready to give up on either. So you know, I wanted to play football and baseball, and Notre Dame offered that, so that was something that I really couldn't turn down. And you know, obviously, I'm really happy with the decision, and uh, you know, I had a lot of fun while I was there. You see, Adam, I love talking to, to local guys that are, are living the dream. And here, here's Cole on the verge of making the NFL. So I, I got a real serious question for you, Cole. Who was the toughest team that you played in the ESCC? And bear in mind, there is only one correct answer, in my opinion. <laughs> well, toughest team? <laughs> well, depend on, I guess depending on the sport, I would say... Uh, Toughest team for football was always Julia Catholic. And then I would say toughest for oh. baseball was uh, Notre Dame was pretty tough. So that, that we had some battles with them. So I think those two teams were uh, were some tough schools that we always went against and, uh, you know, had a lot of fun competing against. Okay, okay. You, you gave the Dons a little bit of love yeah, there. He, you know? he, he got about maybe 50% correct on that one for you, Johns. Yeah. <laughs> you see, he, us he, he, yeah, CC guys got, got to stick together. So I think it's this is really cool about what's uh, got right around the corner for you. And so just to go off that, like what, talk about Chicago football, like Chicago Catholic League football and, and how much you think – that was a factor in your rise and just the, the toughness, the, the players that you had to play against in that conference and just all the fun you had playing some Catholic League football. Yeah, I mean, it's a competitive, tough conference. I think, you know, ESCC in general, just, uh, you know, they're competitive kids that, you know, they're working really hard and it's, it's tough-nosed football. So I think uh, I think that really helps me out um, in terms of playing against those types of kids, guys like Julian Love, who's at Nazareth and, you know, there are a bunch of uh, different other athletes that are around the league that, uh, that end up doing really well. So, you know, those, those type of players are guys that you want to go against, and I think that's what kind of helps me, uh, you know, get noticed on a national level in terms of, you know, being recruited. And, uh, you know, the ESEC is just able to provide, a, you know, a bunch of good teams that are, you know, competing at a high level. And you see that, you know, come to state tournament, you know, you got 
you know, teams that are making it to the semis, quarters, you know, on a consistent basis on year in and year out. And, you know, the teams that end up knocking each other out are Catholic school teams. So it's kind of kind of funny to see that happen. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely the ESC conference unfair is a tough conference. Uh, and that uh, no, definitely helped me prepare yeah. for, for playing at Notre Dame. What are you doing with Gillette for the draft, and how can viewers tune into the virtual red carpet? You know, going to the draft, we were kind of expecting to do a uh, red carpet experience. But for me, you know, I was always actually going to plan on staying at home. But what's really fun about this is I kind of get to participate in both things. So I get to do the virtual red carpet experience at home uh, with my family, which will be a lot of fun. And you can you can follow that by searching up the hashtag NFL Draft Red Carpet. And you can check that out on both my social media accounts at Cole Komet on Twitter and Instagram, and also be sure to follow the NFL Twitter channel for more updates on it. Well, Cole, thanks so much for the time today. Uh, we always love seeing local kids succeed, so hey, maybe we'll see you wearing a Bears hat at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Appreciate it. Best of luck, Cole. So there he is, Cole Komet. A lot of uh, fans, I think, have their eye on him, uh, certainly because the Bears need a tight end. A lot of people think he is the number one tight end in this draft, Johnsy, and uh, of course, being a local product as well. You could hear, you know, we Asked him about the Bears. Grew up a Bears fan. Was a Greg Olson guy. I think a lot of people like Greg Olson. It's fortunate he got traded, but hey. A little high school football talk as well. You know I got to put that in there as well. You know, you know, Adam, this is where I have to mention that Kevin Fishbane, my athletic colleague, did a wonderful profile. No, don't care. <laughs> uh, you had that teed up. I, I Cole come <laughs> Because if I don't, you and I are going to get text messages to no end uh, today, tomorrow, whenever we listen, whenever he listens to this podcast. So on the athletic, Kevin Fishbane, the Fishman, did a nice, wonderful profile talking to his parents, talking to some of his high school coaches um, on Cole Komet, who obviously was an outstanding two-sport athlete at Saint Vider in, in the Northwest suburbs. Here, great picture. Yeah. No, don't care. Oh, he's gonna get after you, my friend. No, we're just giving Kevin a hard time. Because he, he was begging to plug the story that he wrote. So it, there we go. We we got it in there for him. Um, you know, here's the here's my issue with Cole Komet. It's not anything. I, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be a good tight end. He projects to me, and this is, I'm not the only one who said this, obviously, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have compared him to Jason Witten and Kyle Rudolph, who are more obviously outstanding players, especially Jason Witten, but they're, they can give you receiving ability, but they're more of the well-rounded tight end. So like, that's not a knock. If anything, it's actually a compliment, but what the bears I feel like need is that field stretcher, like the guy that's going to demand attention all the time. So the fit for what the bears are looking for right now, I don't know. I I think he can exist. I, I wouldn't even criticize the pick if that's what the bears end up doing. But I don't know that it's the best fit. Does that make sense? See, I, I don't know. Like, he doesn't strike me as a Jimmy Graham type basketball, you know, with the leaping ability. But he does remind me a lot of a Zach Ertz. And this could be a bad comparison. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that's what I see. It's exactly what I see is just, yeah, well-rounded is a great way to put it. And we see what Zach Ertz is for... Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, he always seems to be open. He's a polished route runner. Maybe that could be a Cole Komet. Um, he doesn't seem to have the the power that a Travis Kelsey has. But you know what? Travis Kelsey was a third-round pick. So maybe Cole Komet has that in him as well. I know there's an argument out there that maybe focusing on one sport could be good for him. He did spend a lot of time preparing for baseball as well at Notre Dame. So who knows? Maybe it's best not to put a ceiling on him. But to me... When I watch him and, and, and I want to find the right comparable for him at the NFL level, I see some Zach Gertz okay, in this game. I think that's fair. And obviously, Zach Gertz is an outstanding player, similar system. So, yeah, again, I'm not it's not at all negative. In fact, I think it's actually a positive for, for a Cole Komet. I just, I just wonder if he can really be that kind of field-stretching um, adjuster that, that Matt Nagy always talks about to... We'll, we'll we'll see, I guess, but it would be certainly interesting if he ends up being a bear. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give a spoiler here, um, but because we're not going to have a chance to talk about this, because our next podcast won't be till Friday. But my last Bears mock draft is coming out tomorrow, Johnsy, and I'm going to go with a different Notre Dame player in the second round. 
Okay. I had Cole Komet, by the way. Cole Komet Did was I in my him? last mock draft, so um, it's not like I'm not giving Cole Komet love, by the way. Are, are you going to take a larger receiver and mur- um, kind of mold him into um I don't know if I'm going to mold him into a tight end. What I do know is the more and more I watch Chase Claypool, the more I think he's an NFL player. Ah. Um, huge guy. Dude, he ran that ridiculous 40 at his size at the Combine. I I just think in this offense, you know, I remember you and I had a conversation middle of the season, and it was you who argued that the Bears need, actually, we brought this up a number of times, the Bears need more size at wide receiver. With Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, yeah, they need guys true. with a bigger catch radius. And I brought up at the time, I specifically remember this conversation in the middle of the season, I said the problem with that, Johns, is they also need speed. And it is almost impossible to find a guy that's big and fast. Those are the Julio Joneses of the world that go early in the draft, right? Um, The Mike Evans. They just don't exist later. Now, Claypool apparently has enough flaws, and some people think he should be a tight end, that he could be there in the second round, and I just think you can... You can coach him. Yeah, so if that tweener brings him back to you at 43 and 50, I think he can be coached up. I think he can be more consistent. I don't even necessarily know if he should be a tight end or wide receiver. What I do know is I like him in that, that what I just talked about, maybe Cole Komet not being exactly what the Bears need in terms of you know, commanding attention at that spot that you tight end. I think Chase Claypool is a fit for the Bears, and I my mind keeps going back to the game Notre Dame played in Evanston two seasons ago, a night game. Chase Claypool had eight catches for 130 yards in that game. I'm standing there on the sidelines calling the game for WGN, and I'm like, this dude is an NFL player. He just is an NFL player, and sometimes when I have those reactions down there on the sideline, Johnsy, I just need to trust that instinct. So I like Chase Claypool. Yeah, I think he's going high. He he, he strikes me as a guy that will move up because mm-hmm. of his measurables. Like he's that high ceiling pick, you know. Um, whereas I'm going to mention an article right now by Dan Pompey again is Cole Komet is on his list for the seventh safest picks. For, for the Bears in the second round. I don't know if Chase Claypool fits that because he has some of those tweener qualities. You know, what's the if you don't have one position means you don't have a position or something like that. There's there's a there's a cliche in the football world where, where people use that. Um That's not cliche talk, that's real talk. Yes, Matt, that is. But Matt, we all know you like playmakers. So I could see where uh, Chase Claypool could be very, very intriguing for a Matt Nagy, and you're right. I don't care who the Bears quarterback is, whether it's Trubisky, whether it's Nick Foles, or whether it's James Morgan. They they need playmakers. They, they need guys that can help out their quarterbacks at key moments in key games. Maybe that's Jimmy Graham. Maybe that's, you know, Allen Robinson, you know, taking his game to another level. But you got to keep adding playmakers. And Komet and Claypool, I think, kind of fit that mold. So my Bears Mock Draft 3.0 will be available tomorrow on NBCSportsChicago.com. So depending on when you're listening to this, it may already be out uh, whatever what day is it? Tuesday? So Wednesday. I, boy, I cannot keep track of days right now, Johns. Uh, when- it's like being an eight-year-old in the summer back in the 90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I appreciate? What I still love? The Friday news dumps are still happening. <laughs> like Yes. yes. Like, and, and like across all sports. The Friday news dumps are, and I'm like, does it really matter? Does anyone even know it's Friday? It's every day no. is the same. So, uh, but I love that. Um, okay. Uh, so, Gronk trade's official, by the way. It's official. Come on, Kent. It is. Yeah. What did they get? They they got a um, they traded Gronk in a seventh for this year's fourth. Wow. Gronk wow. in a seventh Look. for this year's. For the man, you know the Bucks are the Bucks are doing something. So they gave up a fourth round pick essentially for Gronk, who well, you know, I don't know what he has left in him, but if he stays healthy, he's still a force out there. Yeah, well, let's be honest. Tom Brady's not a long term answer to anything. The guy's over forty. 
You're trying to win this year and next year, and you bring in a guy who is instant chemistry. You know, probably the best chemistry ever with Tom Brady. Yeah. Hall of Fame tight end. He's healthy now. You know, he's doing the the you know he's jumping off the third rope and you know you know with flying elbows like you know he's Macho Man Randy Savage or whatnot. He's ready to play, man. You know, great move by the Buccaneers. Absolutely great move. Anybody else enjoying like the Patriots just sort of falling apart here? I I kind of am. Yeah. <laughs> until they until they draft Tua, like you said, <laughs> or, or they trade for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, there you go. You know that you know, they'll be competitive just because you know who they are. But man, if they somehow sneak out the, their next franchise quarterback, just like it, it happened to the Packers. You know, some teams are just lucky and fortunate well, I, sometimes, I think, with this. I'll tell you what, and this is a, an outstanding transition by me. Um, if <laughs> if Jared Stidham ends up being like a good NFL quarterback, I will look like an idiot because I did not even include him in my top 10 quarterbacks last year. I just did not like him and the only, I did not doubt that at all. I had conviction until the Patriots drafted him. And then I said, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, because it's the Patriots and you respect what the Patriots do. But um, yeah, so I didn't even have him in my top 10 last year. And uh, I don't know. That's why I'm, I don't know. I'm still not buying that the Patriots are really going to put everything in Jared Stidham. We'll see. Um, but anyway, it's a good transition to this year's top 10 list. And uh, we don't spend too much time on this. You can find it at NBCSportsChicago.com. But let, let's talk about some guys maybe in play for the Bears. Okay, Johns. So I love Joe Burrow. He's obviously going. He should go number one overall. I think that's where he should go. I also love Tua. I, I think Tua, talent-wise, is right up there with Joe Burrow. But obviously, you have the medical concerns. So, And there have been some whispers, by the way. I don't know if you've heard this, but... There, there, there do seem to be people who think there is going to be a fall here for Tua Tungo Bailoa. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be far enough to to get him anywhere near the Bears, but that is, I, I think that's probably the biggest storyline for Thursday is what happens with Tua. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's you know, Aaron Rodgers was falling for 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 different reasons. Um, you, you never know with quarterback evaluations. This obviously has to deal. You know, with, with all health, I, I just think, you know, just how some teams talk themselves into certain quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think it's just as wrong for teams to talk themselves out of certain quarterbacks. If you get my drift, this is going to. I feel like this is absolutely going to happen for teams in the top five, top ten. You always have that one scout like I don't know about his hip, and that that, that thought will stick there yeah. with these GMs, with this with this ownership, and then, you know, they'll. They'll, they'll pass. They'll pass. And, and and you know what? Sometimes, you know, they can be right, but, you know, the risk of being wrong. All right, so getting past Tua, Jordan Love from Utah State is definitely, to me, a, a boomer bust type of guy. Uh, I You watch him, though, and you do see some of these Patrick Mahomes comparisons. And not Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs. Stop it. It's Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech when he was coming out. Like, when you watch his tape, it reminds me a lot of when I was watching Patrick Mahomes. The one concern I have is I don't necessarily see the same type of instincts that Mahomes clearly had when even in college he was throwing the ball left-handed and completing these ridiculous passes. Love has all the ability. Uh, I do, you know, what you were just talking about, John's, some guys falling in love with dudes. I can see that happening with Jordan Love, though. And, I, you know, maybe you want to do over on Patrick Mahomes. You go up and get Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, here's something to think about. So Brett Veach doing his conference call, video call, Skype, whatever you want to call it, with reporters not too long ago. Mentioned that there are four quarterbacks, just like almost in passing, if I read this right on Twitter, which could probably be wrong, it's Twitter. <laughs> but but he mentioned that there were four quarterbacks in discussion for the first round. So for, to some people, that was a signal that Jordan Love is a potential first round pick, right? Because he would be he would be the next guy, right? With, sure. with Herbert there as well. Yep. You're talking about four quarterbacks. Those would be the four, right? Tua, Burrow, Herbert, and Love. So, late first round, New England Patriots finding their guy, you know. 
Who knows? Who knows? Quarterback drafts are different, man. You know, you either have one or you don't. And until you find one, you're looking for one. I'll tell you the fits. I, and the best teams plan for the next one. Yeah, I know. And that's so speaking of that, I've the the I do I am not totally convinced. I gave Love a f- late first, second round grade. To me, that puts him in play for New Orleans and Green Bay. And that those are great spots for him to go, in my opinion, because I think Love needs to sit. I think he needs to develop, just like Patrick Mahomes did. His first year sitting behind Alex Smith, he needs to be in a good situation like that. So one, two years in New Orleans, depending on how long Drew Brees sticks around, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And even in Green Bay, I mean, it's probably going to be a, potentially a little bit longer uh, with Aaron Rodgers, at least two years with Rodgers' contract the way it is. But um, I, I think that those are good spots for Jordan Love. Maybe uh, in Chicago, learning behind Nick Foles. I don't know, but he's probably going to be out of reach for the Bears, in my opinion. Yeah, so what are you left with there in the second round? Possibly a 43, right? You got Jacob Fromm. Jacob Fromm, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Jacob Eason. Yeah, if that a little too high for him. Um, in my opinion, is I gave Jacob Eason a fourth round grade. I don't love him, so you know if you end up with a fourth rounder that you acquire from moving back and you want to take a swing on him, a former baseball player. Uh, in my ten, in, in my rankings, I compare Jacob Eason to, and we haven't talked a whole lot. Of, we, I feel like we've talked a lot about Jalen Hurts and Jake Fromm, so this is fine. Jacob Eason to me is like a a hard throwing reliever. That every time you throw out there, you could tell he's struggling with his control and he never develops that second out pitch he needs to be a consistent pitcher for you, right? That's to me, Jacob Easy. Yeah. Not a whole lot of touch on his throws. Sure, he's got a cannon of an arm, former five star recruit. Um, you know, I, I just, you watch the tape though, the footwork is inconsistent. Whenever he's pressured, bad things happen. I don't like Jacob Eason, but I guess if you're late in the fourth round or something like that, I, I, I'd be okay with taking a chance, taking a swing, because we keep talking about taking swings on quarterbacks. I do think it's worth doing that, but I, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I, I'm going to write a column later this week. Look for it on Thursday. Kind of exploring the what it means for the Bears if they were to draft the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And that word swing, I think, is just so Im- Im- important because, look, they're going to give Mitch Trubisky a chance. I don't know how much of a chance, but there will be one for him whenever they return to work. But Nick Foles is there. And you don't know if you're going to be right with Nick Foles either. The guy's never started a full 16-game season. And like you said, they're out in that contract. Another swing makes sense. It may not what look that will make fans even more irate, I'm sure. But it makes sense. You almost have to do it. You have to do it if you want to get some time under your belt with this young quarterback. And by the way, with Jake Fromm, I just the more I watch him, not a fit in what the Bears are trying to do to me. I mean he's I, I think Jake Fromm's gonna be in the NFL for a long time as a backup who can win you games coming in. But I don't think he's a great system fit uh, for the Bears. And that's why ultimately my last in my last mock draft I went with Jalen Hurts over from who I feel like I've talked about a lot. So we don't have to get into the whole Jalen Hurts conversation. Uh, but you can read the full rankings up. I do these every year. I love doing them. They're up at NBCSportsChicago.com for the first time, so you can read them there. And as we've mentioned, you should also check out Dan Pompey's piece on The Athletic, Kevin Fishbane. Well, I mean, we're, tell- we're telling people to go read Kevin Fishbane's piece on Cole Komet. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Click on it. I guess. Yeah, that's a good. I guess. Click on it for Kevin. I guess. Uh, (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) It's a good story, everybody. Uh, All right. Anything else? Any final thoughts before we close the book on the draft? I I, I do just just have have, have one. Just just have one. And um, it's this offense versus defense conversation. I'll just say this the Bears defense could be one of the best in the NFL. You get yourself a plug-and-play starter in that secondary or even an extra pass rusher, it could be even better. So I like the idea of keeping a strength a strength and making sure you get a couple high-end defensive players in this draft, if you can. Love it. Love it. How about Bradley and I, my guy from Utah? People don't talk about him. Yeah. 
I love that dude. Curtis Weaver, Boise State. I hear the Bears like him a little bit. Ooh, a pass rusher from Boise State. You sure you want to go down that route? Why well, no, you do. Hey, if you want to break if you want to break Aaron Rodgers' collarbone, of course you do, Adam. That's not nice. Yeah. Uh, all right, so here's our plan. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put out a podcast on Thursday afternoon right before the draft is starting. So we'll be back Friday evening. Well, if the Bears trade up in this first round on Thursday, you will hear from us. Trust me, we'll have an emergency podcast for that. But the plan is to be back Friday with the reaction to whatever the Bears do in the second round. We'll be there for you when that happens, and we're going to have multiple uh, episodes throughout the draft over the weekend, so plenty coming your way, but your next episode will be Friday. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read us at NBCSportsChicago.com, TheAthletic.com. Please subscribe now. There's no reason not to. Do it. And yeah, maybe check out Fishbane's story. Or not, but yes. See ya. No. <laughs>